chapter one part two of the doctor his wife and the clock by anna catherine green this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by caroline chapter one part two i am seventy years old now and am no longer daunted by the charms of a beautiful woman but i confess that when i found myself in the fine reception parlour on the first floor i experienced no little trepidation at the prospect of the interview which awaited me but as soon as the fine commanding form of the doctor's wife crossed the threshold i recovered my senses and surveyed her with as direct a gaze as my position allowed for her aspect bespoke a degree of emotion that astonished me and even before i spoke i perceived her to be trembling though she was a woman of no little natural dignity and self-possession i seem to know your face she said advancing courteously towards me but your name and here she glanced at the card she held in her hand is totally unfamiliar to me i think you saw me some eighteen months ago said i i am the detective who gave testimony at the inquest which was held over the remains of mr hasbrook i had not meant to startle her but at this introduction of myself i saw her naturally pale cheek turn paler and her fine eyes which had been fixed curiously upon me gradually sink to the floor great heaven thought i what is this i have stumbled upon i do not understand what business you can have with me she presently remarked with a show of gentle indifference that did not in the least deceive me i do not wonder i rejoined the crime which took place next door is almost forgotten by the community and even if it were not i am sure you would find it difficult to conjecture the nature of the question i have to put to you i am surprised she began rising in her involuntary emotion and thereby compelling me to rise also how can you have any question to ask me on this subject yet if you have she continued with a rapid change of manner that touched my heart in spite of myself i shall of course do my best to answer you there are women whose sweetest tones and most charming smiles only serve to awaken distrust in men of my calling but mrs sabrisky was not of this number her face was beautiful but it was also candid in its expression and beneath the agitation which palpably disturbed her i was sure there lurked nothing either wicked or false yet i held fast by the clue which i had grasped as it were in the dark and without knowing whither i was tending much less whither i was leading her i proceeded to say 
the question which i presume to put to you as the next-door neighbour of mr hasbrook is this who was the woman who screamed out so loudly that the whole neighbourhood heard her on the night of that gentleman's assassination the gasp she gave answered my question in a way she little realised and struck as i was by the impalpable links that had led me to the threshold of this hitherto unsolvable mystery i was about to press my advantage and ask another question when she quickly started forward and laid her hand on my lips astonished i looked at her inquiringly but her head was turned aside and her eyes fixed upon the door showed the greatest anxiety instantly i realized what she feared her husband was entering the house and she dreaded lest his ears should catch a word of our conversation not knowing what was in her mind and unable to realize the importance of the moment to her i yet listened to the advance of her blind husband with an almost painful interest would he enter the room where we were or would he pass immediately to his office in the rear she seemed to wonder too and almost held her breath as he neared the door paused and stood in the open doorway with his ear turned toward us as for myself i remained perfectly still gazing at his face in mingled surprise and apprehension for besides its beauty which was of a marked order as i have already observed it had a touching expression which irresistibly aroused both pity and interest in the spectator this may have been the result of his affliction or it may have sprung from some deeper cause but whatever its source this look in his face produced a strong impression upon me and interested me at once in his personality would he enter or would he pass on her look of silent appeal showed me in which direction her wishes lay but while i answered her gaze by complete silence i was conscious in some indistinct way that the business i had undertaken would be better furthered by his entrance the blind have been often said to possess a sixth sense in place of the other they have lost though i am sure we made no noise i soon perceived that he was aware of our presence stepping hastily forward he said in the high and vibrating tone of restrained passion helen are you here for a moment i thought she did not mean to answer but knowing doubtless from experience the impossibility of deceiving him she answered with a cheerful assent dropping her hand as she did so from before my lips he heard the slight rustle which accompanied the movement and a look i found it hard to comprehend flashed over his features 
altering his expression so completely that he seemed another man you have someone with you he declared advancing another step but with none of the uncertainty which usually accompanies the movements of the blind some dear friend he went on with an almost sarcastic emphasis and a forced smile that had little gaiety in it the agitated and distressed blush which answered him could have but one interpretation he suspected that her hand had been clasped in mine and she perceived his thought and knew that i perceived it also drawing herself up she moved towards him saying in a sweet womanly tone that to me spoke volumes it is no friend constant not even an acquaintance the person whom i now present to you is an agent from the police he is here upon a trivial errand which will soon be finished when i will join you in your office i knew she was but taking a choice between two evils that she would have saved her husband the knowledge of a detective's presence in the house if her self-respect would have allowed it but neither she nor i anticipated the effect which this presentation produced upon him a police officer he repeated staring with his sightless eyes as if in his eagerness to see he half hoped his lost sense would return he can have no trivial errand here he has been sent by god himself to let me speak for you hastily interposed his wife springing to his side and clasping his arm with a fervour that was equally expressive of appeal and command then turning to me she explained since mr hasbrook's unaccountable death my husband has been labouring under an hallucination which i have only to mention for you to recognise its perfect absurdity he thinks oh do not look like that constant you know it is an hallucination which must vanish the moment we drag it into broad daylight that he he the best man in the world was himself the assailant of mr hasbrook good god i say nothing of the impossibility of this being so she went on in a fervour of expostulation he is blind and could not have delivered such a shot even if he had desired to besides he had no weapon but the inconsistency of the thing speaks for itself and should assure him that his mind is unbalanced and that he is merely suffering from a shock that was greater than we realized he is a physician and has had many such instances in his own practice why he was very much attached to mr hasbrook they were the best of friends and though he insists that he killed him he cannot give any reason for the deed at these words the doctor's face grew stern and he spoke like an automaton repeating some fearful lesson i killed him 
i went to his room and deliberately shot him i had nothing against him and my remorse is extreme arrest me and let me pay the penalty of my crime it is the only way in which i can obtain peace shocked beyond all power of self-control by this repetition of what she evidently considered the unhappy ravings of a madman she let go his arm and turned upon me in frenzy convince him she cried convince him by your questions that he never could have done this fearful thing i was labouring under great excitement myself for i felt my youth against me in a matter of such tragic consequence besides i agreed with her that he was in a distempered state of mind and i hardly knew how to deal with one so fixed in his hallucination and with so much intelligence to support it but the emergency was great for he was holding out his wrists in the evident expectation of my taking him into instant custody and the sight was killing his wife who had sunk on the floor between us in terror and anguish you say you killed mr hasbrook i began where did you get your pistol and what did you do with it after you left his house my husband had no pistol never had any pistol put in mrs zabriskie with vehement assertion if i had seen him with such a weapon i threw it away when i left the house i cast it as far from me as possible for i was frightened at what i had done horribly frightened no pistol was ever found i answered with a smile forgetting for the moment that he could not see if such an instrument had been found in the street after a murder of such consequence it certainly would have been brought to the police you forget that a good pistol is valuable property he went on stolidly some one came along before the general alarm was given and seeing such a treasure lying on the sidewalk picked it up and carried it off not being an honest man he preferred to keep it to drawing the attention of the police upon himself huh perhaps said i but when did you get it surely you can tell where you procured such a weapon if as your wife intimates you did not own one i bought it that self-same night of a friend a friend whom i will not name since he resides no longer in this country i-he paused intense passion was in his face he turned towards his wife and a low cry escaped him which made her look up in fear i do not wish to go into any particulars said he god forsook me and i committed a horrible crime when i am punished perhaps peace will return to me and happiness to her i would not wish her to suffer too long or too bitterly for my sin constant what love was in the cry and what despair it seemed to move him and turn his thoughts for a moment into a different channel 
poor child he murmured stretching out his hands by an irresistible impulse towards her but the change was but momentary and he was soon again the stern and determined self-accuser are you going to take me before a magistrate he asked if so i have a few duties to perform which you are welcome to witness i have no warrant i said besides i am scarcely the one to take such a responsibility upon myself if however you persist in your declaration i will communicate with my superiors who will take such actions as they think best that will be more satisfactory to me said he for though i have many times contemplated giving myself up to the authorities i have still much to do before i can leave my home and practice without injury to others good day when you want me you will find me here he was gone and the poor young wife was left crouching on the floor alone pitying her shame and terror i ventured to remark that it was not an uncommon thing for a man to confess to a crime he had never committed and assured her that the matter would be inquired into very carefully before any attempt was made upon his liberty she thanked me and slowly rising tried to regain her equanimity but the manner as well as the matter of her husband's self-condemnation was too overwhelming in its nature for her to recover readily from her emotions i have long dreaded this she acknowledged for months i have foreseen that he would make some rash communication or insane avowal if i had dared i would have consulted some physician about this hallucination of his but he was so sane on other points that i hesitated to give my dreadful secret to the world i kept hoping that time and his daily pursuits would have their effect and restore him to himself but his illusion grows and now i fear that nothing will ever convince him that he did not commit the deed of which he accuses himself if he were not blind i would have more hope but the blind have so much time for brooding i think he had better be indulged in his fancies for the present i ventured if he is labouring under an illusion it might be dangerous to cross him if she echoed in an indescribable tone of amazement and dread can you for a moment harbour the idea that he has spoken the truth madam i returned with something of the cynicism of my later years what caused you to give such an unearthly scream just before this murder was made known to the neighbourhood she stared paled and finally began to tremble not as i now believe at the insinuation latent in my words but at the doubts which my question aroused in her own breast did i she asked 
then with a great burst of candour which seemed inseparable from her nature she continued why do i try to mislead you or deceive myself i did give a shriek just before the alarm was raised next door but it was not from any knowledge i had of a crime having been committed but because i unexpectedly saw before me my husband whom i supposed to be on his way to poughkeepsie he was looking very pale and strange and for a moment i thought i was beholding his ghost but he soon explained his appearance by saying that he had fallen from the train and had been only saved by a miracle from being dismembered and i was just bemoaning his mishap and trying to calm him and myself when that terrible shout was heard next door of murder murder coming so soon after the shock he had himself experienced it quite unnerved him and i think we can date his mental disturbance from that moment for he began almost immediately to take a morbid interest in the affair next door though it was weeks if not months before he let a word fall of the nature of those you have just heard indeed it was not till i repeated to him some of the expressions he was continually letting fall in his sleep that he commenced to accuse himself of crime and talk of retribution you say that your husband frightened you on that night by appearing suddenly at the door when you thought him on his way to poughkeepsie is dr zabriskie in the habit of thus going and coming alone at an hour so late as this must have been you forget that to the blind night is less full of perils than the day often and often has my husband found his way to his patient's houses alone after midnight but on this especial evening he had harry with him harry was his driver and always accompanied him when he went any distance well then said i all we have to do is to summon harry and hear what he has to say concerning this affair he surely will know whether or not his master went into the house next door harry has left us she said dr zabriskie has another driver now besides i have nothing to conceal from you harry was not with him when he returned to the house that evening or the doctor would not have been without his portmanteau till the next day something i have never known what caused them to separate and that is why i have no answer to give the doctor when he accuses himself of committing a deed on that night which is wholly out of keeping with every other act of his life and have you never questioned harry why they separated and why he allowed his master to come home alone after the shock he had received at the station i did not know there was any reason for doing so till long after he left us and when did he leave you that i do not remember a few weeks or possibly a few days after that dreadful night and where is he now 
ah that i have not the least means of knowing but she suddenly cried what do you want of harry if he did not follow dr zabriskie to his own door he could tell us nothing that would convince my husband that he is labouring under an illusion but he might tell us something which would convince us that dr zabriskie was not himself after the accident that he hush came from her lips in imperious tones i will not believe that he shot mr hasbrook even if you prove him to have been insane at the time how could he my husband is blind it would take a man of very keen sight to force himself into a house that was closed for the night and kill a man in the dark at one shot rather cried a voice from the doorway it is only a blind man who could do this those who trust to eyesight must be able to catch some glimpse of the mark they aim at and this room as i have been told was without a glimmer of light but the blind trust to sound and as mr hasbrook spoke oh burst from the horrified wife is there no one to stop him when he speaks like that End of chapter 1 part 2